welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today we are talking about rereading books. So uh, this is a topic that came to mind for me because I am currently rereading a series of books. <laughs> and I thought it might be fun because I am not a huge rereader, but I do occasionally reread. And Anne, I know you reread sometimes, so I thought it would be fun to talk about when we choose to, when we choose not to, how we do, like what what's the tipping point, what makes a good rereading experience. I thought it might just be a fun thing to talk about. Sort of how we approach when we pick up a book for the second or third or fourth time. <laughs> tell tell us about how much of a rereader you are. I'm really not that much of one, but I used to be. Um as a kid, I was thinking about uh, as as I was sort of thinking about um what I wanted to talk about I I was like oh I don't I don't really reread that much because I just have so many books to read and then I remembered how much I used to reread as a kid and I wonder what shifted in my brain to Mm -hmm. find that super pleasurable to Mm -hmm. something that I I didn't feel like I had time for and part of it is just the length of the books right kids books are really short right so even though I'm not as as fast of a reader as I am now. It's still they still went by pretty quickly. So, I was thinking about how I used to. I've read um, the Little House series countless times, and I would put the Anne of Green Gables series, mm-hmm. or at least the first half of of the series, mm-hmm. in there. Probably the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't I don't think the entire series I would count as a as a massive reread for me. But mm-hmm. I've read Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe many many times, and it was just so so fun to, mm-hmm. to to go back and and be familiar with that um and maybe it's be also because when i was growing up the world of like children's literature was a thing but it felt a little bit more classics mm-hmm. and newberry mm-hmm. driven for good stuff and then there was a lot of things that were just sort of filler mm-hmm. <laughs> is right, my memory right. of it at least and and ya wasn't a thing really and right. so and so now I feel like maybe if I had grown up now, I I would have possibly had a bit of a different approach to things. So um, that's not at all to say that there weren't great books coming out at the time, but I but it just felt I remember getting the Scholastic book mm-hmm. flyers and and having so much of it be very 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 light stuff that I wasn't super attracted to at mm-hmm. the time. So because I thought I was too good for it, <laughs> I'll be honest. Yeah, some, something shifted. But I, I really do think that a lot of it comes from having, um, from being a librarian and feeling like it's kind of a duty to get through mm-hmm. as much as I can. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think that that should be something that I think, I think I should, if I wanted to just reread stuff all the time, I should be able to. Right. Well, and it's interesting because I was a big rereader as a kid also, and I am not mm-hmm. much of one as an adult. And I wonder, as you were talking, I thought, so I think for me, part of it was, I would love an experience of a book so much that I wanted to relive that. I didn't yeah. want to let that go. It was comforting and there was something about wanting to, to dive back into that world. And so that's part of why I would reread. But I also think some of it is opportunity, I guess, or I'm not sure the right way to say it because it's like when you were I only went to the library once a week or something like that. Or yeah. I, I only had a certain set of books in my house and I had older sisters so I could read their books too. But now as an adult, 
if I want to go to the library every single day of the week, I can. I mean, I, we both worked at libraries for years where mm-hmm. if you wanted a book, you could just pull it off the shelf. So I think part of it is access that right. I had That's so many point. more. I had, as an adult, I have so much more information about books coming to me. Uh, and I'm surrounded by so many more books that that sense of, well, I don't want to reread something because I want to use that time to read something new is very different than when I was a child. And it was like, I didn't have a hundred possibilities of what to read. It was yeah. the books that I brought home from the library and then whatever was on my shelf. So I think that's part of it too, is, is we have agency to be able to buy books or yeah. borrow books. And we have, um, we both obviously spend lots of our career life you know professional life thinking about books and reading about books and so that that sense of oh there are so many books out there that I want to read whereas as a kid I'm not sure I felt that quite as much that might be part of it too yeah I I remember when I was in college that that really formed my reading life Mm -hmm. um, going forward and that was when I discovered um, as as most people in college, their mm. their minds are sort of opened up to right. all kinds of things that they were not familiar with before, and so I remember that that's how I learned that culinary mysteries were a thing. Right, and I would just spend all of my downtime at work mm-hmm. making lists of culinary mystery right. series that I wanted to read, and so and and once you i mean for me at least once i start making lists of things mm-hmm. then it feels very pressing on mm-hmm. me i guess right. and some sometimes in a not pleasurable pleasurable way but many times it's like extra fun that right, way because right. it feels like a project right. and so i think that that might have been the turning point for me where it became much more common for me to feel like i wanted to go experience something new and see all these different authors mm-hmm. that I'd never heard of before um, and and that's that I'm just saying that in terms of pleasure reading but even at the same time I'm in college classes and I'm learning about classics that I'd never that were not the English canon that right, I, I right. didn't realize existed and so it was it was just really kind of my brain was sparking in ways that it hadn't before and mm-hmm. so that to me is is uh, kind of what you're talking about of having just so much choice at mm-hmm. that point right and sort of the means to be able to explore it mm-hmm. versus when you're at your when you're a teenager or a kid mm-hmm. then th- we also didn't have kindles and stuff right right that's too. what i was thinking like, there's right. just so much now so that much you can choice. do and yeah, yeah i just i remember having teachers that because i always always loved to read so i remember having teachers that would recommend books for me or you know give me a book to read and i'm sure when i was young the librarian would help me but it was very much self-directed. So, in, and yeah. again, there, that the information about books has evolved so much in over the years of what we have available to us. And now it feels like everywhere you turn, there are book recommendations. And I think part of it too is I, it was easier to rely on what I'd already read and I knew I liked versus trying to find something new and not, you know, just sort of wandering the shelves at the library and picking stuff up and thinking, well, this looks kind of interesting. All right, so establishing that neither of us is a big rereader, what then causes you to pick up a book for a, a reread? So I think I would I kind of put it in three categories for me. So one would be if I read something and then realize something in the story deserves to be reevaluated mm-hmm. after knowing what happens. So 
for me, I think you you will agree with this. Uh, Tana French is a, mm-hmm. a prime example mm-hmm. of someone that would be a great reread because her her books are not only incredibly structured, mm-hmm. but there's something about knowing the solution to the mystery that then in her books it are very, very satisfying to go back mm-hmm. and and see how it's all put together, like like kind of looking underneath mm-hmm. and and seeing how it was made. And so that's not true of a lot of mysteries, I would say. Like, I, and I say that as a mystery reader, but but a lot of them, once you know the solution, it's not really that satisfying. Mm-hmm. But um, but hers, I find really really fun to go back and and figure it out mm-hmm. um, with that information. Uh, the same thing I would say for uh, the book Passing by Nella Larson. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one that has an ending that is kind of bonkers and so and and ambiguous too and Mm -hmm. so going back and seeing how things are laid out leading up to this particular moment and having having that question in my mind and being able to reread it thinking I want to find what I think happened in Mm -hmm. this situation Mm -hmm. given that information is really satisfying to me so so I'm definitely not someone who is I will never be someone who can just finish a book and then say, I'm going to go back and read it immediately. Right. I'll always want to have a, a good amount of space in between mm-hmm. reading the first time and the second. But but for me, that's a, that's a really, really satisfying experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would agree with that. I think you and I both, I think, have now reread at least some of the Tana French books at Dublin Murder mm-hmm. Squad for me. I, I don't think I will reread her other books, at least not anytime soon. Um, but I did... Uh, the first Tana French book I think I read was in 2010 or so. And just in the last year and a half, I started rereading those for the same reason you said. Plus, the details were fuzzy enough in my brain that even though I kind of remembered how they ended, I wasn't, I didn't know enough to, for it to ruin the story at all. It was very much like it was still unfolding in a way that had me, in its grip it wasn't yeah. it wasn't that I knew all the story beats um so yeah I would agree that that is a no I think for you maybe more than me that is a motivation to reread but I have definitely had those moments where I finish a book and I think oh I would kind of want to reread that to see how it all came together and yeah it, it yeah. feels so masterful to have all of the elements come together without having revealed it early on in the story. So, but I, yeah, for me, I don't know that that's as much of a motivating factor, but I do like it when that, for me, like for me, the Tana French books I reread because I loved them so much that I wanted to go back and revisit them and sort of rekindle that love of that, Mm -hmm. that series. Um, And then it was, it was kind of an added bonus to be able to see the way it all came together. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that that's kind of leaning into my, my second okay. um, thought that, that sometimes it really is just you love it. Mm-hmm. You love the the book completely mm-hmm. so much. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, going back and reading Jane Austen and, and sort of the project I was trying to do two years ago, mm-hmm. I guess, <laughs> um, when I wanted to read four of my favorite authors mm-hmm. of and, and read their complete catalogs. Uh, that was the motivator of it because either I hadn't ever finished reading everything that they'd written or it had been such a long time since I had read their books mm-hmm. that it that I wanted to go back and re-experience mm-hmm. that. Um, but but again, for me, that's, that's something that I'm not... I, I know some people who want to do that every year and right. I, I have friends who read Harry Potter every mm-hmm. year mm-hmm. or read 
Pride and Prejudice every year. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's great if that if that brings them a lot of happiness. That's great. But that I I would never feel that would never be um, pleasurable to me right. to me to read that often so frequently. Yeah. Yeah. That to me is one of the main reasons I would reread something is because I loved it so much the first time. And I also, as is established, uh, I don't have the best memory always for books. Yeah. And so <laughs> I, me too. I will have a general sense that I really loved it or, you know, or yeah. a strong, not a general, like a strong sense. Like, oh my gosh, I loved that book. I loved that reading experience, but the details are long gone. And so a book that I read in my 20s and really, really loved her in my early 30s. It's been so long now that I can pick it up again and think this is still going to be kind of like reading a new book because the details are gone. But I can be pretty assured that I'm going to like it. Uh, And sometimes I, I have a little bit of trepidation and think, am I going to love this book on the second time I'm reading it? Is it going to have that same impact as the first time there? And that's actually something else I wanted to ask you about because there are several books that I loved, loved when I read them. And I'm very reluctant to ever pick them up again because I don't want to take away from that sense of wonder that I had when I read them. I don't Mm -hmm. want anything to take away from the gleam of thinking of it as a favorite book. So I was curious if you've ever, if you ever shy away from rereading something to preserve the memory of the reading experience when you originally read it. I don't, I can't think of a, of an example of where I've personally tried to stay away from something, but I have reread things um, because of book clubs Mm -hmm. where the book club didn't like it nearly Mm -hmm. as much as I did. Mm -hmm. And that was a little bit of a downer Mm -hmm. because having them pick apart something for especially if I don't think that they were really great criticisms of of the book um that that doesn't feel I'm I'm thinking of a couple of books in particular and and the I remember thinking this doesn't seem fair to be picking apart very small details when to me it didn't take away from the overall message or the overall atmosphere of the book Mm -hmm. so so that can be I, I do get a little bit nervous, I would say, about things like that mm-hmm. of of introducing it to someone else or or um, when I was leading book clubs, if I would say this is one of my absolute favorite books, mm-hmm. we're going to read this book for for this month and then to have everyone hate it. That mm-hmm. that's a, a hard thing mm-hmm. to to deal with. Um, but I don't think that I've ever had something where I thought I am so I'm nervous that this will be ruined I'm sure that's come up, but I think that, I think that when, I can't think of an example of like a specific book, but I, I feel like if that has happened for me, it's been more of a, well, I must have changed in this time. And so this is sort of an interesting um, way of, of seeing my personal progression versus, or or that that book was right for me in that moment. Mm -hmm. And now it's not the right book for me, Mm -hmm. but, but I don't know that ever felt in a, it felt in the way that you're talking about mm-hmm. of, of feeling disappointed with the book itself. Yeah. yeah, I don't know that I'd be disappointed in the book itself. I just, there are several books that I, again, hesitate to reread because I kind of like just thinking of them as a book that I really loved at the time. And yeah, I don't know. I just, it's... Do you have any examples? I'm curious. So, okay, let me think about this. Uh, one that comes to mind is A Fine Balance by Rohinton Mystery. Did you read that? Yeah. Have you read uh, that? Not the whole thing. Okay. I've, I've read part of it. Okay. It's so, big. Yeah, it is big. But so I, that was one of the first books in my memory. This could not be accurate in reality, but in my memory, that was one of the first books after 
I got out of college and started reading again for pleasure that really affected me. It, it moved me. It was a book that I, even though it's long and it's a very hard subject matter, it was a book I didn't want to put down that I just felt mm-hmm. totally absorbed by. And it sort of represented getting to be able to read for fun again, even though yeah. that book's not fun, but it, getting to read <laughs> for my own purposes yeah. again. And so that's an example that, that I I hesitate to go back and read it because, first of all, it's it's a hard subject matter. And so I I, I don't know that I'll ever think to myself, gosh, I really want to reread that book because it is uh, sad and difficult. But I also just sort of want it to be in my memory. It's like that was a book I loved at the time and it sort of reintroduced me to reading as an adult a little life is another one that i was thinking about that yeah i can imagine you going back and rereading yeah i loved that that book a lot and again very difficult subject matter it's like it's so emotionally brutal that i don't know that i would ever want to reread it but i feel like that just is crystallized in my memory as a specific kind of reading experience and I'm done with, like, I don't know that I would want to go back. Um, I'm trying to think of one where I actually might want to, because those two aren't great examples, because I don't know that I would actually ever want to reread them. Um, I'm trying to think of a book that I would want to reread and would hesitate. Something like Bel Canto by Ann Patchett. Um, Mm, Okay. I love Ann Patchett. (laughs) Again, I think that's, uh, I've shared that before. (laughs) And that was the first thing I ever read by her. And when I read that, it was... I, it, it was so good. Like, I just loved it. I loved every aspect of it. I loved, uh, like, passed it along to my family members and friends to read. I couldn't stop recommending it. It was before I was a librarian, so it wasn't like I was surrounded by so many books. It felt like a discovery, I would say. Yeah. And that's yeah. one where I would likely reread that because I do everything I read by Ann Patchett, I, I generally really, really like. But that magic of having read that at the time, again, might change now so it's not like it's a bad I don't think I would ever dislike a book but I feel like I might look at it now and think why did I like that so much or something like that you know (laughs) uh more than and not and I'm not I'm not saying Belcanto would be that case I actually think I probably would really still like Belcanto um but I guess that would be the thing I would be like why did that impact me so much why did I why did I love that but like you said it's just more about well, that was for me at the time, and it's not for me now. I just actually yeah. last year, the year, a few years ago, I guess, must have been before a reading list, I reread The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver, which is a book mm-hmm. I really loved when I read it. And again, I read that in my early 20s. And I that was one where I was like, is this going to hold up? Am I going to like this as much? And I did. I liked it quite a lot. Um, and But that would have been another example of one where I could have seen rereading that and thinking oh, well, I liked it a lot at the time. I didn't like it. You know, that it could have gone yeah. either way, I guess, in my mind. Yeah. I think I think when I think of those kinds of books, they tend to be things that I didn't expect very much from and then was really surprised by how much I enjoyed them. And so I gave them five stars on Goodreads. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm going back and looking through my ratings, yes. I think, was that really a five star? Yeah. And so there's a lot of YA novels that I, I know I've done that with. Mm-hmm. Um and that's purely just because I had zero expectations right. for them. And so that was, it was an inflated, um, I'm sure, rating at the, mm-hmm. e- even then. So, so I suppose that that would be an example of something where I don't think I'd probably want to go back and reread it right. because I like, 
not only do I not think it it's really like, like I'm very aware that it wasn't a five star mm-hmm. read now. Right, <laughs> so, right. Um, and so I'm not thinking, oh my gosh, that was such a magical reading experience. Right. But I don't. I also don't change my rating because I think, well, that's how I felt right, right when I right. came out of it. So that's that's gonna stay right. forever. Well, and it's interesting because I actually can pinpoint more times where reread has improved my feelings about a book. Uh, which mm-hmm. because for book clubs, especially when I was running. A, a couple of books, book clubs at the library where I worked, I would reread if a book were selected. I would generally reread it because I would want to make sure I knew the details in a way that having re- right. reread it or read it a year before something I wouldn't know. And so there were two different books. One actually vastly changed my opinion, uh, which was Wild by Cheryl Strayed. I read that. I listened to that audiobook originally and did not like it. And I thought I didn't particularly like her as the memoirist I didn't I thought she was so reckless and I just didn't like it and then we picked it to read in my book club and in the meantime I had read Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed and Mm -hmm. it had given me more insight kind of into who she was and what she was going through when she went on the journey that then she chronicles in Wild and I loved Wild the second time I read it like it was so much more affecting to me the second time I read it and I never would have picked that. I never would have picked that up on my own like that again, <laughs> again, you know, for the second time. Yeah. Um, but because of the book club. And then A Light Between Oceans was the other one where I read that one time and I was like, oh, fine. Like it was fine. And then I reread it for book club and just cried and cried. Like it was again, it just like <laughs> it moved me in a way that the first time around hadn't. So and then I have an example of a book that I read three times and disliked every single time. And Is so- it? Is it all the light we yes, can see? Yes, I knew it. Yes. <laughs> and it was one where every single time I had the exact same experience where I'd start it and think, this is the time I'm going to like this book. And then every time at the end, I was like, nope, still don't like this book. Uh, but I would say generally rereading has only improved my feelings about a book. So I don't know why I have this idea in my head that if I go back and reread a book that's a beloved book of mine, that it might disappoint me. But for some reason, I do. It's a, it's like a, that, in the back of my mind. Yeah, I think that's fair though, because there, because that does happen in life so often, where you have something built up and then it, it's not as great as as you remember. I mean, mm-hmm. I think more often with things that when you were a kid mm-hmm. that you think this was the greatest thing ever, and then realize it was it was pretty goofy. Mm-hmm. But um, but with books you read in your twenties, it that that might be a pretty solid memory, right? Yeah. Huh. We should we should do that some t- uh, an episode of rereading. Oh, that would be fun. From ages ago, that could be really oh, interesting. Oh, that would be so much fun. I would love that. I want to start picking out my books right now. <laughs> <laughs> For the episode we will do in three years. Exactly. But that would be really really yeah. That would be fun. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, all right. So you had a third thing. Do we already do your third thing? Yeah. So Better? the third thing I thought about is is rereading for atmosphere. Okay especially when it's an atmosphere you can't get from other things. So so I am I've talked about Jane Austen already and um while I will never say that Jane Austen can be Jane Austen can be replicated by anyone else because I truly don't think that's possible mm-hmm. um when so many people have tried and no of none of her of the kind of sequels and continue to continuations ever live up to what they should be but um 
I think that if you are just craving that world and not necessarily her language mm-hmm. and her characters, mm-hmm. then there are lots of options. So I'm thinking more of things like um, The Diviners is one that I've read. Oh, yeah. Three times, I think. Maybe, maybe four. And that that's such a particular world. Mm-hmm. And that 1920s New York plus magical um, overlay mm-hmm. to it and, and also horror overlay to it is such a sweet spot for me that that I can't other than the rest of the series I can't go and find it someplace else right. so um and I know that's why a lot of Harry Potter re- readers reread those books so often mm-hmm. because that is just so you can do fantasy you mm-hmm. can do books that are set in boarding schools you can do books that are set in magical boarding schools but you can't get that particular mm-hmm. rich world building in in that very um specific style Mm -hmm. so so i get that um and think that that again i I don't want to be in those worlds all the time but i do understand where you feel like i loved this Mm -hmm. this experience so much i loved this this space so much that i want to experience that again bridgerton is one that i am (laughs) i just picked up the second book to reread because same thing i wanted to be in that world i I started watching the show on netflix and i was like i love the show i love the books i want to there's something about those books that are comforting but they're they're comforting and like because i know I know what I'm going to get out of them. Like, yeah. I know exactly what I'm getting into when I read them. And they're so, I love them so much because they're funny and romantic. And there's just so much about them that I love. But so, yeah, but it's the same. It's atmosphere in a different way than I think how you just described it for the books you mentioned. But for me, the the world of the book is why I want to, like, dive back into that world. And um, so, yeah, that's I, I do that. I do that, too. The other, so I have another one to add to your list about why I reread things is when a bunch of people start talking about it and it's a book I read and I don't remember (laughs) it very well. And I'm like, I need to reread that so I can remember, you know, this book that everybody else, like if it catches people's attention um, and all of a sudden everybody's talking about it again, I'm like, oh, I want to reread that. Um, So that's another, like, Especially with social media. I think that happens yeah. a fair bit more now than maybe it used to. But it's like if, if, you know, TikTok, I am not on TikTok, but there are books that come have become popular because of TikTok that then suddenly everybody is talking about on other social media platforms or in my personal life that people are talking about. I'm like, oh, yeah, I should pick that up again. You know, I should reread that. I should pick that up again. And again, there are books that I liked. I don't think I would pick up something I hadn't originally liked but it's sort of like oh yeah I like that I should reread that or listen to the audiobook that's something I do a lot is I reread whatever the book is in a different format than how I originally read it so often it's I originally read it in print and then I reread it as an audiobook and that's the way that it, it takes away a little bit of that sense of oh my gosh there are so many new books I want to be reading but I'm rereading something it's like well I can still be reading the new stuff in print and listening yeah. to the audiobook of a reread and and then it feels like a good a good balance and yeah. also I would add every once in a while with a series if it's been so long since I've read the previous book in a series and I want to start the next one I might do reread on audio 
to get myself re-caught up on the series before I continue on. Sometimes I struggle with that because I, because I do struggle with remembering things from previous books. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like I, I need to go back in order to understand what's going on, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to spend that time. Mm -hmm. And so then I, I, a lot of, a lot of series I've just quit Mm -hmm. because I don't want to go back and reacquaint myself. And then I get stuck. Yep. Well, yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm rereading two things right now, which is why exactly why I thought of this topic. So one of them is the social media. Everybody's talking about it one in it's a series, which is The Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. And I had read mm-hmm. the first two of that series. And then I don't even know if the third was out at the time. But if it was, I didn't immediately go on to the third. And then I, I liked the first two quite a lot. And so then whenever I eventually got around to the third, I started reading it and they just you just get dropped into that world. There's very little explanation yeah. of what happened prior to that. And I was, I couldn't really remember. And I thought, well, I'm going to set this aside and maybe come back to it. And so then now it's been long enough. I think I looked at Goodreads the other day. I think I read the first book in 2015. So it's been long enough that I don't really remember it much at all. And I was seeing a lot of chatter about it online. And I was like, I needed some escapist reading. There's a lot going on um, that's kind of taking up brain space for me right now. And I was like, Bridgerton like Bridgerton is comforting (laughs) and then this series is total escapist and I was like between those two I feel like it'll be good uh reading rereading experiences for me but it's funny like I very you know I I don't reread that often in print uh but here I am actually reading two series at the same time but it was like I couldn't just dive into the third book in this Sarah J Moss series because I just didn't remember it at all so I started from the beginning and it was good because well, I truly did not remember any of the details. Like there were <laughs> there were certain things that I was sort of like, I kind of remember this. I kind of remember how this ends. In fact, the second half of the first book, there were elements. I was like, oh, yes, yes, I remember this. Once we got there, I started remembering it. But there were aspects that I didn't remember at all. So, uh, yeah. so it was a good thing. I reread because I don't think I could have just jumped into the third and known what was going on at all. Yeah. So. I think that YA in particular is suited for rereading mm-hmm. because, or and is almost designed for rereading mm-hmm. because, because there's so many series and they're not uh, standalone. I mean, they're with with say mysteries there and romance. There's so many things that are series where you truly can just sort of be dropped right. in. But but with YA, it's really just one big arc, right. and so you can't you can't get by with with spending two years right. away from the book which is kind of crazy because the authors don't come out with the book i know it makes you want it makes you want to wait till the series is completed to read totally, it totally totally i my memory is not good enough for that i mean right I, and I I, I, we read so many books in the meantime it's like right. even if i have a good memory for some of the books details it's like that's 200 books ago i don't i can't remember right. all the details so uh so yeah right. there's part of me but the, at the same time I don't tend to read books back to back like that. Like I don't even stick exactly. to the same genre back to back. So then right. I don't tend to read a series just straight in order. Bridgerton is actually an exception to that. Is I, I was just telling a friend this. I remember the first time I read Bridgerton, I was thinking I was going to do it the way I usually did, where I'd read one. And with romance especially, you can walk away from a series for years and you're not missing out on anything because the next book is about a different couple but I remember reading that and thinking 
I would the next book I would read would be something totally different. It wouldn't be romance. It you know it wouldn't be part of that series. And I'd I'd be reading it thinking, no, I I really just want to be reading the Bridgerton. Like I want to be continuing the Bridgerton. And so that was an exception for me. And then Sarah J these Sarah J Moss books that I'm doing now, I did do one and two kind of back to back, but I've been splitting it up by reading Bridgerton a little bit too, just because the Sarah J Moss books are so big. They're like 700 yeah. pages in hardcover. <laughs> and so at night, I don't want to be holding that up in bed. So I've been reading Bridgerton <laughs> before bed, <laughs> which sounds so silly, I know, but it's like a big book. They're um, really big and they just get bigger. They just do just get bigger. But anyway, so, um, but it's rare that I want to go directly from one book to the next in a series. So... I don't know how yeah. to, I don't know how to balance that. That's I mean that's not what this topic is. This is about rereading, but it does make you want to wait until a series is completed before reading it because otherwise you are having to reread in preparation for the new books. Yeah, and I and I think that's kind of what I'm getting at with with those kinds of books because I think that that at least a lot of the YA readers who who only read YA mm-hmm. um, would say that they're so invested in those books and those stories that they do read them multiple times right. and and there's more of a sense of a fandom right. than, than just I like the series and I'm reading it. Right. Like, like people get very, very emotionally mm-hmm. invested and buy candles and buy Funko Pops right, and, right. and all kinds of things that are devoted to that. And so I, I think from having gone to Y'all Fest mm-hmm. and, and other sort of book um, festivals and book events that there's there's just a different it's just a different style of reading than right. what I typically enjoy. Right. And that's that it keeps me a little bit at arm's length, but I also love that enthusiasm that those people have and, yeah. and sort of like seeing it for them mm-hmm. and how, how fun that is for them to, mm-hmm. to get that excited about mm-hmm. the new book coming out. So you have to start over right. again. And somehow they're able to watch movies. And like, like I would always hear about people watching Harry Potter and reading Harry Potter at the same time. Yeah. And I'd be like, how I don't know how you put those two things together, but somehow they're able to do it. Yeah. And um and that's that's part of the experience is just that all immersive right. um jump into that world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We kind of covered this. Have you ever had a disappointing reread experience? Rereading experience? I'm trying to think if there's anything that I've got like a a book that I've gotten rid of. I I will say I'm not I still love this book so I'm not saying that at all that this is disappointing mm. it just was a different reading experience I have read Frankenstein several times mm-hmm. for school and and it felt like in college I was reading it practically every every semester <laughs> because it's such a an important book in literature uh-huh. and sort of the shift from uh classicism to romanticism right. and and that's what the book is dealing with is that that friction and so every professor was was interested in in discussing it and I loved it every single time and then I just reread it maybe two years ago or three years ago and it wasn't that it was that I didn't enjoy it as much but there there was something a lot a lot more pleasurable and special about reading it in a class and being able to pick apart all of the different contrasts that Mm -hmm. are happening in the book and and just having both the professor kind of guiding things but the discussion that goes along with with being in a class that was part of what made me love that book so much and so then reading it just sort of straight through as a novel without that that deeper dive into it didn't feel as satisfying to me Mm -hmm. so it isn't it isn't a knock on the book itself but it does make me aware of um 
maybe other classics that I've read that I have thought were just sort of okay. Mm -hmm. And then I wonder, well, if I had read that in a college setting, would I think that this was remarkable? And I I obviously can't go back and get that that time and re-experience that. But uh, but I will. I will. That's probably the, the one most recently that I noticed it felt it felt less less like oh my gosh this is one of my favorite books right, of all time right so how about you what do you what do you um, think yeah I was trying to think if I had a specific one I can't I have tried to go back and reread some of my favorites of, from when I was a child that I mm-hmm. don't think I have found like I I have just sort of been like well that's fine like that's a yeah. that's nice for a child like that uh, different from sort of that middle grade kind of range. I don't know that I ever, I can ever get back in that headspace to go read those again and think yeah. of the magic that they had for me when I was that age. And, and I think that's true actually for me in general. I know a lot of people that really like middle grade books and I am not as inclined to love those the way I would maybe a teen book that I can put myself back in the space of being a teenager and really love a teen book. I, I, for some reason, middle grade's harder for me. And so I think that's part of it. But so, yeah, I think there have been some books that I've gone back and reread that were favorites when I was a kid that I, I just sort of like, oh, that that's nice for young Hallie, but that's not for me yeah. anymore. <laughs> I know you've said you're nervous about going back to read the Little House books. Well, that's um, because of right because Racism. because our our <laughs> views have changed in, yeah in what we yeah how we read things yeah but um, yeah it's yeah I, don't, I, can, I can imagine yeah struggling with that yeah I think back to some of the books that I really liked when I was a kid and I would not want to read those now something like the Indian in the cupboard was a very popular right. book when I was a kid and I really liked it and oh, I forgot about how popular that's, that was. And there's no way I want to go back and read that that's yeah. incredibly racist so uh yeah I just think I don't know I don't think I can set aside some of my current views and perceptions of the world to like appreciate some of the 1980s thoughts that were included in some of these books so I think that's part of it too but no I I can't think of any particular ones more of a general sense of like whenever I've I've picked up something I I really liked as a kid I don't know that I've I've ever Westing game would be the exception I still read the Westing game every once in a while and think oh I get why I liked this book um (laughs) But like the Babysitter's Club, I used to love the Babysitter's Club books and I picked yeah. those up and I was like, oh, these are cute, but no, I'm done. Sweet Valley High, I was like, this is trash. Why did I like these books so much? <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, I loved those books. I love those books. And then actually there's a direct correlation between those books and the kinds of light romance or escapist reading I like now. But it's just funny yeah. when I go back and read those. I think, oh, why did I like these? Uh, but I loved them. I loved them at the time. Well, and the problem with Babysitter's Club too is that they're kind of the same book every every time, with just different a different character. Right. And so you have to go back and read that second chapter where they go through every single character right. and describe yeah. how this one's into clothes yeah. and this one's into art. Yeah. Claudia, and, Claudia's into exactly, yeah, art. and and Stacy's into clothes. clothes yeah. So, <laughs> and so. I can't imagine, other than maybe going back and reading the first one mm-hmm. and thinking this is so fun mm-hmm. to remember how this felt mm-hmm. as a kid, but I can't imagine going beyond that and finding it enjoyable yeah. to read more. more. Yeah. I mean, maybe the four original characters or something. Right, I don't know, right. but it just seems like it would get really old really fast. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so what do you have any best reading rereading experiences that you thought that you really enjoyed when you got to reread something? 
Um, I, I led a book club about We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Mm. And that was really fun for me. That That's an example of when it could have gone really badly mm-hmm. because the because I introduced it as being a favorite book of mine. Mm-hmm. And I w- if they had all hated it, it would have been pretty devastating to yeah. me. Um, and in fact, some people did ha- hate it, but I was able to give a very impassioned uh, rebuttal <laughs> to their their issues with the book. And um, and so and and really convinced people mm-hmm. of how great it is. And so that was really fun. Um, in the same book club, I read a book called uh, City of Brick and Shadow, mm-hmm. which or Brick and Shadows. I don't remember now if there's an S on that. Um, that's kind of the same thing where I, I really enjoyed it as uh, I read it as an advanced copy. And and then of maybe four years later or five years later, I wanted to read it for a book club. And that one is kind of an, an interesting book because there it's a mystery that doesn't necessarily have a solution to it. And I guess it's kind of a spoiler, so I'm <laughs> sorry. Um, and, and that one was fun to go back and read it really closely, mm-hmm. knowing what the, what the message of the book was. And so that it, it gave it a completely different feel to me to, to go back and read it. And that ended up being a good experience with my book club too. I don't think they loved it quite as much as I mm-hmm. did, but I, but I felt like, uh, that's one where I ended up taking a lot of notes and and really was looking almost like I was reading it for a class mm-hmm. where I was looking for specific themes and specific um, correlations between things that happen early in the book mm-hmm. to things that are going to happen later. So so that's one where it kind of fits with my my first point mm-hmm. of of having the the benefit of the ending in your head when you go back to read mm-hmm. it. Um, and so so I I still think I have everything marked up in that book because it was so enjoyable to to see all those little pieces mm-hmm. that I had missed the first time. So, so those are two that, that come to mind for me. There, there are a lot of classics that I read in college that I, that I do feel have, have been just as enjoyable mm-hmm. the second time I've read mm-hmm. them, but I tend to not do that. Uh, I'm thinking more in cases where I read it a second time for college right. where, where one class taught me something and a different class taught me something else. So, mm-hmm. so that's maybe a little bit of a different beast, mm-hmm. but, but those are still really fun for me. Yeah. What do you think? Uh, so the one that I could pinpoint as being uh, the same, sort of the same situation with a book club was The Invisible Bridge by Julie Oringer, which I had read and really, really liked. And then fairly soon after that, I think within probably a year or so of the first time that I read it, uh, we were going to read it in my book club. And I thought, no, I remember this pretty well, actually. I don't think I need to reread it, but I'll just kind of skim it to make sure that I've I'm refreshed. You know, I, I kind of have these, the main plot points in my mind. And I started by trying to skim it and I ended up reading every word of that book the second time <laughs> around because I just got sucked in again. It was so good. Yeah. And so that to me was a surprising, surprisingly pleasant reread experience is that I just really thought I would just kind of skim over the surface and I ended up reading every, every bit of it. But so yeah, that stands out. And I don't, I mean, generally I think when I have reread stuff, I have really enjoyed rereading it. So I don't know why it doesn't. And actually, as we're having this conversation, I'm like, maybe I reread more than I thought I did. <laughs> because I always feel like I'm not much of a rereader. But then in this yeah. conversation, I've thought of lots of different times that I've actually reread stuff. It's partially the difference between print and audio. I think when, I re- when I'm when right. rereading it as an audio, it's a different kind of experience. So maybe that's why I'm not thinking. I, I, I don't often reread a print book of something I will say that so I don't take the time to reread something in print 
Um, yeah. But I do I actually, I would say I actually am more of a rereader than I even realized. But generally it's always, and I always like, I mean, it's just sort of like the same as having a discussion in a book club about a book where I feel I always come away with a better appreciation of a book that we've discussed in a book club. Even if I liked it going in, I always come away thinking of it more highly or, or kind of considering more about it than I did going in. And I feel like the same sort of true with rereading. Like whatever my initial impression was, that's sort of reinforced when I reread something and then I even get more out of it the second time um, when I reread something. So, yeah. yeah. I think I, I tend to think of rereading as, or at least the way it typically is portrayed to me, is people rereading things for comfort. Mm-hmm. And that's not something I think I ever mm-hmm. do. Um, I can't think of an example of it, at least. So so that, I think, informs my feeling of not being a rereader because I don't just go to the shelf and think, oh, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite books. Right. I'm, I'm feeling upset right now. Right. I want something that I know is comforting. Um, which I know for a lot of people, I, I have uh, a coworker who rereads pretty much exclusively mm-hmm. because especially during the pandemic mm-hmm. and even in the few years before the pandemic, it's, it's just too much for her right. to, right. to pick up something new and like, and sort of the stress of not knowing what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so, so she really enjoys that comfort. That is, that's not how I feel. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I think of rereading, I have to remember that there are other forms of it that right. are not the way that I often see it portrayed in books, especially because mm-hmm. because books about books often have someone who says, mm-hmm. "These are my favorite books." I I'm, just read I'm, them over I'm, and over. Yeah, 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 and that's that's not how I, I am. So, in fact, the book I'm going to talk about for um, what I'm reading this week has a character who is upset about something, and she goes to her shelf and she pulls down some favorite books, and then she just sort of spends the evening reading one of mm-hmm. them. And it's actually Little Fires Everywhere that she reads. Oh, and that's then, such a good book. That's a good. Yeah, I it's a great book. book. That's a good. Yeah, book. it's a it's a great book. Yeah. But but she she just pulls down part of it yeah. or like reads it and then reads it for the evening and then in the morning puts it back even though she hasn't finished it. Oh no, I couldn't and do I, that. I think my brain would literally explode if I tried to do that. Like like even just thinking about it right. kind of stresses me out. So so that that sort of, I guess I could maybe reread a passage or a, or a chapter mm-hmm. or something, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a way to spend the evening right. for me that right. that doesn't sound that sounds really stressful to me actually well if i so, spent an evening different if i did spend an entire evening i'd probably end up finish you know then continuing the book the next day assuming i didn't yeah. read the whole yeah. thing in one sitting like i don't think i could spend two or three hours reading it and then not want to continue on i don't know right exactly the other thing i think of and maybe this can be kind of one of the last things we talk about and then we can wrap up for the week um this went on a lot longer i know than I, I know we would. Too. we do we had a lot to say um i think rereading can be helpful if you're feeling like you're in a reading slump and nothing is really yeah. capturing your attention or everything's just kind of feeling samey or whatever it is i think rereading can can give you that spark of reading something that if it's Jane Austen or Anne of Green Gables or uh, Bridgerton or whatever it is there's something where you're like I can count on this being a good read like I can count on this being a good reading experience and I think that that can be really helpful um, when you're in a bit of a reading slump or if you're not reading at all like nothing's really even grabbing you to want to pick it up it can be helpful um, to go back to a book that you know you liked and and reread it and that can kind of help spark that that reading urge again, which, again, isn't something I've done a ton, but I have done it in the past, and I know other people 
uh, like you said, for rereading for comfort is something a lot of people do. And I think rereading a book if they're feeling like they're in a reading slump is something I think a lot of people do as well, um, just to be get their brain back in reading mode and, right. and, and know, having the assurance that it's going to be something that they like. Right, yeah. right, exactly. All right, anything else you wanted to say about rereading? No. Okay, well then we will be right back with what we're reading this week. Okay, Anne, what are you reading this week? I am reading Body and Soul Food by Abby Collette, and I've talked about this on a preview episode, so this might be familiar to you. Um, Also, I'm going to say, Hallie knows this, my eyes were dilated just before we started recording, so I couldn't write notes, so I'm just going to talk about this book and see what happens. You're going to be awesome. (laughs) So it's about two uh, twins named Kobe and Keaton, and they are... Uh, they were both separated at birth from each other. So they were born in Seattle and uh, Keaton was taken into foster care and was raised with a family and had a very um, upper middle class background. And Kobe was kept in the foster care system. So as adults, they um, they find each other. I can't remember how they, they end up uh, reconnecting, but they find each other and realize that as twins, they are they have all kinds of things in common and they really bond instantly. So they decide that they're going to open up a, um, a joint shop together because Keaton has been a, um, a public librarian for years and Kobe is interested in food. And so they decide to open up a joint soul food and bookshop bookstore cafe, which I want to live at that shop. Yes, I remember this from your so preview. Great. Yes. Yeah, it was it's just such a great idea. So so they they're just at the beginning of opening it up. They they're it's I think the day before they're scheduled to open and or the weekend before they're scheduled to open probably. And uh Kobe has has a foster brother that he's kept in contact with over the years named Reef. And uh Reef has been this sort of stabling force in his life for, for many years and has recently become involved with Keaton in ways that are kind of a little bit beyond friendship where she's she's just has that little spark of excitement about what could happen in their their lives so um they're in Seattle for the day working on some things that are are going to be set up for the shop and Keaton needs to go back to her small town of uh I think it's called Timber Lake and it's a little bit out of town and Kobe um can't go with her and so Reef says that he's going to go to, to take her home with him or, or to go home mm-hmm. and make sure she gets home okay and so he says he texts the the twins and says i'm going to meet up with you and i'm on this train right now and i'm i'm leaving the station and i'll be there in two minutes and so when the train pulls in keaton gets into it and sits down next to reef and says uh, you know is kind of ribbing him about about going home with mm-hmm. her and then he falls over and she realizes that he's actually dead <gasps> and so in the time between him texting to say they were leaving the station the stop before and her getting onto the train so in literally two minutes he's he's died so um, this is really devastating obviously to both of them but especially to Kobe and uh, they decide that they have to find out what happened to to Reef and so between opening up this new shop and investigating a murder, then they definitely have their hands full. 
And I, I really like, so obviously this is a cozy mystery mm-hmm. um, because I love them. <laughs> and I like that it, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a, a foster system um, mm-hmm. or children of the foster system portrayed in this way especially in cozies and so there's something that's kind of refreshing about this that that it's portraying a world that is quaint and um artificial in certain ways Mm -hmm. because they're they're the town that that uh, keaton lives in is is where they're opening up the shop and it just is a little bit too good to be true Mm -hmm. in a way and it gives it this sort of edge of knowing that the world is not perfect outside of this this area and and puts real life issues into the book so they the the two twins are are aware that they don't know who their mother is and they have very little information and they're trying to to spend time trying to find uh any leads that they can get about her and that is just something that you sort of don't really expect from a cozy mystery i think and and so i've i've liked other abby colette books she also writes the i can't remember the series name but it's a killer inside scoop is the first Mm -hmm. the first book in the series but yeah, they're they're just the. I I think that this will be a fun start to a series. I I think that um her books are are always sort of a a little bit of a delight for me. So I'm really excited that I I picked this one up, and that is uh, Body and Soul Food by Abby Colette. Yeah, I, that sounded so good in your preview, and now your description makes me want to read it even more. I'm liking it. Oh, good. I think you'll like it. Good. Uh, so what I'm reading this week, in addition to the Sarah J. Moss books and Bridgerton, is When You <laughs> when you Get the Chance by Emma Lord. I am listening to this as an audiobook. This is a YA book. And it is a really adorable take on Mamma Mia, the musical. Uh, so it is about this young girl, Millie, who is a rising senior in high school. She loves theater. She loves musical theater. And she has just been granted acceptance to a pre-college program at a university so basically you do your senior year of high school there and already are starting college at kind of at the same time so then you continue on to college at that university and she has been raised by a single dad and he does not want her to go he doesn't think it's the right choice for her he thinks that that closes off her options for college because she's basically committing to go to college there Um, but she's very eager to go she loves the idea of launching her potential career by by going to this program. So it's summer, and so she is convinced that she can turn his eyes towards the light, and he's going to be able to be convinced that she should do this program. Um, so in the meantime, she's trying to find information that will help her bolster her argument that she should go, and she stumbles upon his live journal <gasps> from... 17 years before when she was before she was born and she discovers that there are these three women that were in his life at the time and he never talks about her mom she has no idea who her mom is and there are these three women that appear in his live journal entries that are possibilities to be her mom so her project for the summer is to find out who her mom is going to be at the same time that she is also trying to um figure out how she's going to be able to go to this college program. It's adorable. If you've ever seen Mamma Mia, either the movie or the stage production, it's, it's definitely a nod to that. I mean, they're, they make very clear references to the fact that this is a Mamma Mia situation where she's trying to track down her mom (laughs) and she goes and meets them. 
and she has a best friend that kind of is helping her out and then she also has an arch nemesis Oliver who he is uh, usually like a, the stage manager of their shows in uh, the high school where she goes or the director or something like that but she's convinced he's always causing her to not get as good of parts as she would get otherwise and then they end up at competing for an internship together um, so there are all the elements of a great teen rom-com um, in this book. And so I, um, that's about as far as I've gotten so far. She's gotten to meet all three of the prospective mothers at this point where I am. And then now it's just, you know, all the hijinks that ensue as, as she figures <laughs> out who her real mom is. Uh, so it's adorable. It's super fun on audio. I am enjoying it greatly. It is When You Get the Chance by Emma Lord. And I suspect that Emma Lord is a big theater fan. And there are lots of references <laughs> in there. So you would hate this, Anne. You would hate this. Um, but I love ABBA. So I know. Are there any ABBA references in it? Uh, a couple. A couple. But it's more about theater, musical theater, yeah. than it is about uh, I don't know. I don't know that this is a book for you, but it is adorable, and it's been it's been a fun it's been a fun listen. I had to take a a little bit of a drive today to an appointment, and it kept me good company in the car. All right, that sounds super. fun. It is super fun. Okay, uh, so that is it for us today. Did we want to announce Bridgerton as our topic? Oh yes. Okay. If you would like to read or watch along with us, our next episode, which will be in a couple of weeks, we are going to be discussing the new season of Bridgerton, season two, and as well as book two of Bridgerton, The Viscount Who Loved Me. Um, I think that's the title. Uh, and so if you want to either read or watch along with us and join us, we will be talking about that in our next episode. If you have other ideas for topics you'd like to cover, we are actually in the process right now of We've been talking about some upcoming topics that we want, might want to cover. Um, we've gotten a listener suggestion that we're going to incorporate. So please feel free to reach out to us um, and give us feedback or tell us about some subjects that you would like us to cover. You can reach us at email or uh, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the show. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of all the books we talk about. I don't know exactly how Anne will do the show notes from this episode, but she'll do something. (laughs) Thank you all for listening and happy reading. Bye.